you know, I want to, um, we were talking about dating and women and stuff like that. So I want to skip over and go down to the pop culture section. And when I do that, we're talking about, um, and my brother shouts out to Eric once again, he thought it would be a good topic. And he was wondering about this. I want to talk about Lizzo, right? So we're talking about Lizzo and we sent some pictures in our, our group post about the pictures that she posts, right? And most of them, she's naked. She's not like in enticing clothes. She's not in um tantalizing lingerie. She's, and yet it's still on the internet. Yes. But in the most of them, she's actually naked. And she's a heavier set woman, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so if this was a lot of other women, sometimes even because she's an R&B artist, right? So if it was... Uh, Rihanna or whoever you want to say, but let's say 80% of the pictures, they were like actually nude. I feel like they would get more of a backlash or do, or, 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 and so to speak. So do you feel like she gets a pass? Because if we do criticize her, it will be considered fat shaming. Of course. Complete double standard. Complete double standard. Complete. So if she was a smaller woman, you feel like she would get more of the backlash. Oh yeah, and I've heard photos would probably get banned or removed. Oh, so you feel like not, it's, even, it's even higher than that. Okay, right. So just a little disclaimer: Josh did have an interview with a social media expert. Okay, which just got released today on Creative Maestro. Okay, so you get to learn again. And one of my best friends, they own Hood Ratchet TV. They own Chorus, which okay. is verified and has 10 million followers. Okay. So there's this whole community of people who own these influencer accounts Okay, who see the trends, and I'm noticing it too. So every time one of his posts get removed, he's like, oh, damn, that's not fair. But other accounts have things that are way more provocative. And they okay. stay up. The other day, there was a challenge from, was it uh, either Casanova or whatever okay. on Instagram? And it was a challenge of people to, who are couples to send in videos of them having sex and then put it on Instagram. Wow. So certain things are allowed on, other things are not. And really it's just because the algorithm and or Facebook or Instagram is just not consistent in their you know, administration of punishment. Okay. And you, you were saying the other day you hate the term fat shaming. Right. So why do you hate the term? I... Th- I think um, the term fat shaming, I think it gets overused. Because don't get me wrong, um, when you're of certain size and people can be very subjective towards the actual term and bringing you down and saying all these things, I get that. But I just feel like when, um, I think there was, going back to the Breakfast Club, Mm -hmm. I think the girl got donkey today, she was... uh, um, not as popular as Lizzo, but she was a social media figure, plus size. The white girl, right? Uh, yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she um, was on a she was on a flight. Yes. And uh, I, be- I believe she was she got in the middle seat or something like that. Ooh, something yeah. like that, yeah. And the guy was sitting next to her, like was texting, was like, "Oh, I can't believe um, I'm sitting next to such and such, or this right, won't right. believe who's sitting next to me." And then she took offense and saying this was fat shaming. And blah, blah, blah. So he texted or tweeted? He, te- he was texting, but she looked over. So she was invading privacy. Okay. Basically. Yeah. And then she went on this tangent of saying, um, you know, this is fat shaming. They're bringing, they're bringing me down. And then she tried to do something with the airline or something like that. So she went out of her way to become the victim. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that was, I think when you take it to that extreme, I think you're overusing the term. Or when, or I feel like when somebody is like, I don't know, um, like working out or you're doing this to lose weight or whatever, and then somebody may take it out of context. We're like, oh, you're shaming me because I'm this size or whatever, but that may not be the context. It's just, you just made a simple comment. Like, oh, it looks like you lost weight. And then, or no, actually, I'm sorry. Let me, let me uh, backtrack. You see somebody who... Is losing weight and um then you see somebody comment like oh there's nothing wrong with you why are you doing that and i think when you get into those those conversations i think it's just over it's overly it's overused okay so um 
So for Lizzo, which was the mm-hmm. topic, right? Do you feel like that's why they don't they don't have her remove her posts, like he said, mm-hmm. or? Well, she removed one of them, the one where she bent down. Right, but I mean, if you go to her page, it's like there's a lot of yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, do you feel like that's why, or or, or why people? Because of that, yeah. Don't talk about it more because they feel like they was fat, fat shaming her. Yeah, and I feel like there's a small window when you do things like that, and when you are of certain size, and then if you're doing something, I I feel like they're afraid of the backlash because, uh, in comparison to Instagram, where you have to look perfect and have no flaws and be of a certain size, I think with what Lizzo's doing, um, I think there's a fine line if they were to take down something somebody of that community would position it as it being fat shaming because she's not of certain size why would you take this post down and i feel like she's like walking on a thin line by the post that she chooses to put out there okay so you feel like you almost can't slut shame her without Mm -hmm. fat shaming her right yeah that's a great point that's a great way great 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 that's a great point mike i i that's that's exactly what it is because it's like with her being that size. Right. And if you make a comment, it's like you're losing because okay. now you may say something, but it may come off as if you're shaming her because of her size. Right. Instead of just saying, you know, you know. What you're I mean, posting is inappropriate. Right. Exactly. But it's not inappropriate because I'm, cause I'm just, you know, I get you. I get, it, yeah. Right. So a complete double standard and even something that's already a verifiable fact, Instagram has prohibited any fitness ads because of that reason they got a lot of backlash from people who didn't look like that and they're like oh you're making us feel bad about ourselves right because you're throwing it in our faces but here is lizzo literally doing that and she's being rewarded for it she's throwing herself in our face yeah this is true so like i said complete double standard so i can't again i can't take any type of again logical you know yeah, approach to that because it's just a complete fallacy. And from her standpoint, I guess you would feel like, and probably we all would, that she knows what she's doing. Like she knows that she she can get away with it. Yeah, she's she's behind a bulletproof glass window. Okay, and she's just looking at everyone. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, Eric, once again, you know, I just want to get the topic in because of you. Thanks for that one. Um, I listened to the uh, the whole WAC 100 interview. I didn't know what was going on at first. You sent that in, in, in the chat. Apparently about the thing with Game and, and T.I. going back and forth with him about the fact is Nipsey Hussle a legend in hip-hop or do we give him that status just because he passed away? Oh, See, they I actually brought this up in the shop today too. Oh, really? What did really? they say? Yeah. Um, I, I think Roy brought it up. And like, what, how do you, what do you think... Like, do you consider uh, Nipsey Hussle an icon? And um, Jazz, like, I'm, don't quote me on this, but I think Jazz is like, it's like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you mean that in regards to musically or culturally? And um, I think for as a culture, what of what he's of what they're doing for him now, yes, of what he's done in the past and what they're bringing to light as a cultural icon, I can see that. Musically, which I believe Wack 100 was positioning, mm-hmm. he was saying no because of his numbers. And to be honest, his numbers really blew up after he passed away and after it became uh, a thing and a hashtag. And um, I think with his last album, Victory Lap, which was a, a phenomenal album. Phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal masterpiece of work. Um, I think that really helped and it's unfortunate that he had to pass away for people to understand uh, the type of artist Nipsey was. But going on WAC 100's point, um, if you look at other artists that are the top artists in the game, like J. Cole um, or even Drake, right. and you look at the numbers that they do consistently. Jay-Z, it is his birthday today. Jay-Z, uh, you know, releasing his whole catalog on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um I just think his point is basically saying, no, he's not musically because he doesn't have the numbers. And the only reason why um, there's so much of a push is because of his passing 
and everyone talking about it, which is basically boosting his numbers. But in the past, no one was really talking about Nipsey Hussle. Nobody was really advocating for Nipsey Hussle. Even when Victory Lap came out, people were talking about it. But if you look at the numbers, mm -hmm. it really didn't sell that much. Even though it was a great album, no one was really looking into it until it's a it's unfortunate demise. Yeah. Um to be honest, Crenshaw before Victory Lap was a great album as well. Right, that was the hundred dollar album, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. but Jay Z um, bought like several copies of that. Right, but um, uh, when I first heard it, I was just like, you know, why would he say that? You know, but then I heard the actual interview, I listened to it, and to to John's point, he's correct. Like Nipsey Nipsey Hussle had a million followers when he before he passed away, which is good, but it ain't. Drake, Kendrick, J. Cole, you know, you know, all the people and stuff like that, right? And like he said, his numbers weren't ridiculous. And even if you, and even if you, when you talk about those followers, there's a bunch of people. And I don't know if you guys have the same thing to you, but when he died, who, especially women, who just knew him as like being London, uh, Lauren London's boyfriend, had no idea that he rapped. Literally, I know people personally. It was like I didn't know he, I didn't know he was a rapper. I thought it was Lauren London boyfriend, stuff like that. So I'm sure some of his followers that he did have came from being her boyfriend. And like he said, though, the music is it's excellent. But I guess if Wack is just talking about music itself, I guess he wouldn't be considered a legend as far as sales are concerned. But you can go back into his catalog now and say he had legendary songs. You know, so it's kind of a, a fine line. But, again, to what he's done, what he was doing, but also what his death uh, um, did after that for gang violence and... and um, Supporting his community. Supporting his community, stuff like that. Hiring people from the community. Right. Providing um, opportunities to... Uh, yeah. Pe uh, people from uh, yeah. Wolf Records. Right. He's a legendary um, person, you know, for, for, for that. But also what Wax said was interesting is that, like, the guy who killed him, um, did you watch the whole Wack interview or no? I didn't watch the whole interview, no. But he was saying that, you know, this guy is a shooter. It's what he does. He, he shoots people. So he was just like, when you call somebody something to their face who shoots people, your expectation should be he might shoot me. And he felt like that Nipsey was kind of naive in that regard. Now, if it was the uh, the drug dealer, or whatever, he might have to still call the shooter, all right? Just what Wax said. And then the shooter might still think about it. But if you're talking directly to the shooter, the expectation is he might just shoot me. So, you know. Yeah, I didn't know that tidbit because we actually had this talk in the barbershop, like, and to summarize the, you know, the talk, Nipsey got caught slipping. Right. But now that you know that, I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's a valid point. I don't think not many people look at the particular moment of when he did get shot. They didn't look at it from that perspective of like, well, if you're going to say what you said to a shooter and then you're still within that same area once he leaves, I think that's just, I feel like you're just too big. Right. You're not really thinking. I don't know what, I don't know what you're thinking, honestly. And you're mm -hmm. a celebrity at that point. People know your schedule. Yeah, and especially if you're gonna be in that area, like what? And you own the store that you're working that you're at right now. You the know, strip, the strip. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and you post it up like in that area. I, I don't know what. Again, I don't know what. Like, and, and he knew him personally, which means you know he's a shooter. Right. So I, I don't understand. I think he was just just being plain naive. Yeah. Of being your own neighborhood. I mean, uh, you grew up there. That these are your people, and then you're just really believing in the fact that your people would not try to harm you, especially off, especially based off of his principles and what he advocates and what he's offered to that particular community. And, you know, I get that. That's like a, a given mindset of somebody for, who comes from that particular environment. You don't think the people that you grew up with are going to want to hurt you because you feel like these people love you. Right. Mm, which, explains, which explains the fact of him coming there, no bulletproof vests, no bulletproof vehicles or anything like that, him being naturally in his tone comfortable. Right. But the guy didn't wake up the day and someone I want to do something to him to wax point. Right? Nipsey says something to him. And the guy who is known to shoot people, 
you said a, no pun intended, trigger word, right? Called him a snitch or a bitch or whatever it was and whatnot. We called him, I think it was, you called him a snitch. Snitch, right? Which is a- Or a rat, right? Right. And then it, they also said something about um, he, Nipsey took a picture with his girl or something. I think I heard something like that. Yeah, like um, when it first happened, like he took a picture with the dude's girlfriend or something like that, and he was feeling a little envious. And then after that, the comment is like what triggered right even more. Right, but you're not saying it to a guy who won't shoot you. That's what right. I feel, that's the part that you know that. And again, I'm not from this world, so I'm a lean yeah. on other people's expertise. But here's the thing: now that you say that, the first thing I imagine was the belly scene when DMX tells the dude to strip. Yeah. What do you, honestly, what do you think is going to happen? Right. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he thought the dude would just walk away. I, you know, you know and, 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 and rest in peace, Nipsey. I love Nipsey. Like, before he died, I, I, I got I got Crenshaw. I've been on Nipsey for several, several years mm-hmm. as an artist. So, shame he got his yes to now. But to, to back to this question. I, I, I can I get where game and TI is coming to the aid of their friend who passed away. And that's and that's fair, but again, in complete context with was it what whack hundred? Whack one hundred. Whack one hundred. Why do you call himself that? Uh, that's, that's whack one hundred right there. <laughs> anyway. But he was speaking facts though in his own context. So he was very articulate and he said it in a very respectful way. He did. He said the numbers. He right. Said, he and if you compare it to Dr. Dre, who's been in the game for literally, yeah. what, three decades now? Yeah. Almost? It's not even close. No, maybe he didn't need to say it. Or maybe it's, you know, I don't know. Really? Also saying- huh? He didn't need to say it? I mean, I don't know if he needed to actually say it. He could have just said, you know what, well, I don't want to talk about him right now. But who was interviewing him? I don't know. Some TMZ. So if they ask the question and he answers- I mean, no, there's no, never anything wrong with that. Answering the actual question, I'm just saying maybe he didn't have to say it. Which is which was uh, Angela Yee's argument uh, this morning when they brought it up, where you know people are still grieving over the loss right. of a father, a husband, a friend. Right. And they're saying that they should he should have politely declined to answer the question. Nah. On that, on nah. an emotional standpoint, but on a realistic standpoint, he was right. He basically was giving facts. Yeah. Yeah, and enough time has passed. And let's be honest, to your point, the same way that people didn't know who Nipsey was because they were girls and they just knew Lauren London, oh, that's Lauren London's boyfriend. Right. The same thing happened to his music. People didn't know who he was until after he died. And then all this sensationalism with media. So not that many people really riding with Nipsey as they're posting on social media anyway. That's true, too. I mean, we don't understand how all this happens. Like, imagine if Biggie died in this social media age, what would happen? Oh my God! Everybody, knew Biggie, Biggie was going double for the platinum. This boy. is this is what I'm saying. So yeah. it's just it's just that social media effect now. Yeah, yeah. And again, Nipsey did amazing things, and he to me he set the blueprint for everyone in the hood how to get out the hood the right way. So if all y'all are saying is Nipsey hustle stuff, and then you still in the same situations in ten years, I'm looking at y'all. What are y'all doing? Yeah. Are y'all actually listening? Or are you just going with the pop culture? Right. It was almost like music was the uh, um, uh, on the back burner for him because he was doing so many other things, actually. But he was a great rapper though. When you really listen to him, so it's um. And the only reason I listened to the album because Jazz played it at the shop, and all you're time. right, it was phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Victory Night was a uh, amazing. So moving forward, um, just run the pop culture still. Um, and I kind of went to Elizabeth with Josh on Monday, but Queen and Slim. And this is going to be uh, probably our ending topic for tonight. But it's a um, a full spoiler review with tough about the movie. So I saw it last week. I saw it on Thanksgiving night. I saw it uh, after dinner with my family. Uh, <laughs> me and my dad decided to go see Queen and Slim, actually. Uh, he didn't make it all the way through. Shout out Pops. He was a little asleep after the turkey. But... I, yeah, I did. So, so we saw it. So, um, so, well, let me see. You saw it last night, and you wrote a poem about it, right? Or did you just finish? Yeah, I didn't finish, but yeah, I did. Okay. So, what are your thoughts on the movie? Well, I'm gonna. I'll start with my own thoughts. And then right. I'm gonna have my reactions to a few things. Um, first of all, I thought it was a phenomenal movie. Um, I thought with the imagery 
the views of the the roadside, the story of it, everything happening in six days. I thought they did a really great job of breaking down those particular points. I like in the beginning of the movie where they kind of used something that a lot of young people can be familiar from Tinder, uh, familiarized with the Tinder thing. Yeah, and how um, she was basically Queen Queen's character. She was an attorney, right? Yep. And basically, she uh, matched with uh, Slim's character, uh, but she left them like on red for three weeks. And basically, she was going through a tough case. Lost the case. Lost, she lost the case, and she was in her feelings, I guess, and she was trying to like have some sort of cheer up. So they went on a. Uh, uh, she decided to agree on the date, and as they're on the date, she is giving. Uh, attitude. A lot of attitude. Um, Interesting. She basically, the restaurant that uh, Slim's character chose was basically, uh, it wasn't the nicest restaurant, it was a diner. And then she even questioned, like, if he had money. Like, like oh, did you choose this because you're not, like, you don't have enough money? Like, and his response, I felt was great, was, no, I chose this, I chose this place because it's black owned. Right. And then she was like, oh. Well, yeah. it's twofold. He said because it's black owned and I like the food. Like, right. yeah. with a simple response, the food's good. I don't yeah. know what I mean? And I think as it as it goes on, I think another part that I feel like is relatable where they're driving and he's like, so what's going to happen after this? And she's like, I know you didn't think you were going to get sex from me. Which means he's definitely getting sex from her. No, nah. He wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was, the way she was, no. No, because this and, then he went on. I'm gonna cut you off, but he went on to say, um, uh, "Oh, that was later on." But later, okay, I'm, I'm skipping to go back. But later on, he said, "Was there going to be a second date?" She was like, "No, there was not." Like she was that serious. But go ahead, it's right. And I think she takes his phone and he's like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Oh, I just want to. I'm trying to choose a song or whatever." And he's like, "What are you doing?" And they're going back and forth. And she's like, "Well, you really think I'm gonna have sex with you?" And he's like, "No." I was thinking more of a nightcap. Like, we could talk, get to know each other a bit better, you know, get me more comfortable. And she was like, okay. oh, I'm good. So he grabs the phone, and in, in essence, the, the car veers off or whatever, and then they get pulled over. And they get pulled over by an officer who basically is profiling, and um, she's try- he's trying to basically find something. And he can't find nothing, and then he ends up drawing his gun, and... Queen's character comes out and basically tries to stop the officer. Like, oh, listen, I'm an attorney. Um, you, have, you don't have a warrant for this. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And then the officer tells her to go away. And, and, and Slim's character basically like, tells her, like, listen, relax. I got this. Go back in the car. And then the officer tries and pulls the gun out and ends up shooting Queen in the leg. And then when that happens, um, Slim shoots the officer. And when that happened, basically after that happens, he's scared. He's trying to call. Wait, wait, wait. I just want to, I want to cut you off, but I want to make sure we got all the details of the situation. So just legally, because, you know, you're son of a lawyer. So they get pulled over. The cop asks Slim to step out the car and he's checks him out. He's got nothing. Then the cop says, what do you got in the trunk? Slim said, I got sneakers in the trunk. Cop says, pop the trunk. I want to see. Slim popped the trunk and let him in. She gets out the car as an attorney. She says, you don't have a warrant to search the car. He says, cop says, well, you already gave him permission to, to, look in, to look in the car, which technically he did. Uh, Slim. Yeah, that's facts, but that's how police do, so yes. Right, but Slim messed up by saying, okay, go ahead and look, or whatever. That was number one. But, or the girl messed up for not speaking up. No, she did. She did. Not she until did. after the fact. Right. So. Too little, too late. So, yeah. so part he missed was that. Um, oh, well, two parts. Well, one, when she got in the car, she went to. Uh, she said, uh, "I'm going. I'm, I'm. I'm about to reach for my cell phone." Cop thought she was reaching for maybe a gun. In his mind, he don't know what it is. She keeps reaching. And what is she wearing? Uh, what's she wearing? Uh, is she wearing like a corporate suit? Nah, she's wearing like jeans. They went out. Pants, white sweater. Uh, yeah. And what area of the world is this? Uh, Ohio, right? Columbus, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. Ah, okay. So. She keeps saying, I'm going to reach. You're not going to stop me. He's saying, get in the car. Stop. She keeps reaching. He reaches one more time. He shoots her in the leg. She falls. Then the cop 
uh, and Slim, he goes to grab Slim. They wind up tussling because he's trying to get to her to see if she's okay. So they're tussling back and forth, the cop and him, and he's on top of them, the cop, and they're going back and forth. Somehow, Slim gets the cop off of him, but meanwhile, the cop's gun had fell. Slim crawls towards the gun. Slim turns it around. He shoots the cop. Boom. Cop dies instantly. Um, go ahead. And I think when that happened, um, Slim automatically wants to go to the authorities and tell them what happened. And Queen's like, no, you're a black male. They are going to persecute, persecute you. You're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. That's a bad idea. And she basically convinces him to leave. We have to go on a run. Like this, we can't go. You can't go home. You can't use your phone. We need to go. That's terrible advice as an attorney. And but basically, she—I guess what they were trying to do was like him being black. The the scenario, it wasn't going to end well. And just with her experiences as being an attorney, the chances of him like getting out of this was. But I, I I agree with Josh though, man. And I'm looking back to the movie, but first of all, it was on the cops um uh dash cam. Dash cam. So clearly you can see it was more of a self defense type situation. I mean, uh the cop first of all, he had no probable cause for none of it. That's number one. Number two, he shot her for no reason. Number three he also shot another black individual a few years ago. A few years ago, but we we find it later on. And the agenda, it, I get they had the dash cam, but they the way they positioned it, they positioned it as if they were cop killers and they were on the run because they did have the footage. They didn't have to. They could have just said they were runaways in that sense, but they positioned it. They positioned it as these were they were a dangerous couple at large because they ran. That's why because yeah, that that was terrible advice, right? And totally unrealistic because again, I understand that apparently Slim wanted to uh, defend her honor by getting shot. But even she knows as an attorney, as soon as the officer shot her, case closed. Done. They're probably going to get millions of dollars, all of that. Like, that's, I'm, again, hindsight. I know it sucks to get shot, but th- that's exactly what you would want in that situation in terms of, all right, let's stop it here yeah. and let let the legal process do what it's doing. And it's on camera. And she said to her, to him, because he was like, no, I, I just want to go home. I want to see my dad, remember? Or stuff like right. that. He's like, well, this, and, and, and she's like, yo, if you don't run away with me right now, you're never going to see your family again. You're never going to see him again regardless. So I don't even know why the fucking line in the movie. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. So it's like, I felt like he should have, and, and it's crazy to say this, but he could have, should have went the legal channels rather than going on the run. Because on the, you know, going on the run doesn't make you guilty. Right. Automatically. that part, especially how she was speaking over Slim, basically you kind of get this idea of where Slim was just completely naive, and he knew nothing, and Queen knew everything, and they basically, in a sense, a little, in a, a small way, belittled his character in the beginning, and basically made it look like Queen knew everything, and he knew nothing, like he was just dumb. And um, I think as the movie progresses, she's still playing this hard to get, like, you know, controlling everything, like Thor, like, I don't know why you made us throw our phones away, so if I didn't have you throw your phones, the cops would've been on us already. And as they get into the movie, um, Queen's character actually know has a was an uncle, uncle, uncle in New Orleans, where he basically could give them an, uh, a place to stay and maybe some money to flee somewhere else. So they go, they take the they take the road trip. Um, they go, they meet the uncle. The uncle is like, "What you did? What you do?" He's like, "Oh, y'all some stupid motherfuckers, or whatever." And um, the uncle actually owed. Queen a favor because the uncle what, he killed, killed her mother. Killed her mother. And she got him off for it. Yeah, and she got him off for it. So What? <laughs> so apparently that house that the uncle lived in was left to the uncle and the mother, brother and sister by the grandmother or whatever. And the mother wanted to sell the uncle didn't. So they were fighting over one day, top of the steps. Uncle accidentally pushed her down the steps or she found whatever it was. And the mother died instantly. So he went to jail. But Queen who is the niece of him, He she defended him and got him off for killing her mother, saying it was accidental and stuff like that. In which that kind of, I guess, mental dichotomy supposed to play in the role of why she is the way she is. Because she's very hard throughout the movie. You know, from the, be, like, from the beginning, like he said. Stuff like that. So, um, but he did skip some parts. So, as they're going to the uncle's house, they steal a truck from a cop. 
Um, they didn't know he was a cop at first, but they run out of gas because Slim is so, um, Slim is so anxious right now. He didn't pass his gas tank, which is getting unrealistic to me, right? Me too. They run out of gas. I mean, I feel like that's the first thing you look in when you go to a car. Right. Especially if it's not yours. Then they flag down a car and they go to a gas station with the guy. He he turned out to be a sheriff. And he sees the news inside the gas station that who they are. They get back to the car. They still got the cop gun, by the way. They took the cop gun with them. They put the gun on the cop and say, like, drive. Because now they know what's going on. And then they know he knows. They take him back to their car, lock him in the trunk, and steal his truck. What? Like, what? what? You know what they didn't do? Twice, they forgot all their money and, 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 and everything else in the car. So now they're driving with no money. All right? This is all true, right? What happened? They run out of gas again in the guy's truck. And she's like, you guys don't pay attention to this shit. And he's like, I can't help it. Too much in my mind. So he runs out of gas. making Slim. Inferior. Like, yeah. Inferior to her. Right. Now, another part of the movie I didn't like, per se, as I started watching and thinking about it more and more and more, from just from a black standpoint, a black culture standpoint, when they're in this truck before they get to the uncle's house, um, remember when they, they got to the hospital? Um, no, no, before they got to the hospital. They went to get food. Uh, from the money they found in the glove compartment, there's this little, this little, uh, this little, little kid. He's like 12 years old, a little chubby black kid. So he gets some food, and by then, now it's everywhere. So the sort of video is on YouTube. So they're they're becoming black heroes for killing a cop at the, at the time. The black kid's dad come out. He likes them because they feel like they're black heroes too. They accidentally run him over or hit him with the car, the truck, because trying to run away. Anyway, the kid is talking to his dad. And this probably didn't like. So the, they're talking about the kid's mom, and the black dad calls his mom a bitch, right? So the kid's like, don't be calling my mama no bitch. I told you about calling my mom a bitch. So he said, I'll call your mom a bitch or whatever. And then I'll call, I'll, I'll call all my other bitches and shit like that. So I'm just like, yo, why are you portraying this black father as being disrespectful to the kid's mother and have been a person who commits infidelity on screen? That kind of bothered me. You know, and and, and I, said, I don't know if it bothers you. You pay attention at all, but that part bothered me a little bit. Um, I like when you call the queen a bitch. That too, yeah. Like, bitch. I understand, like I I understand you, brother, because when he shot the officer, he's like, hey, you did this to protect the bitch, and I didn't I didn't really like that part. I don't like the fact I like that, but I like the fact that he said that, that he was saying he calls the kids mama bitch all the time too. Right. I, I didn't I didn't like that's just not why I don't understand that part. So like he said, he gets to the uncle's house and. Um, the uncle, that, that's why he owes her. So he does help them. They shave their heads. He gives them clothes. He gives them money um, and a new car. They burn the truck. They stole from the, from the um, sheriff, and they keep on moving. They, they, they decide to go to Cuba. This is the plan right here. We're going to Cuba. Without their passports? Well, the, the point in the process, the uncle was in uh, the military. Yeah. And he had a friend that they were going to go that was going to actually hook them up with the credentials in the access to get there with a plane at least. So when they got the car from the uncle, they were basically driving across country to Georgia to Georgia to meet this guy who was white, uh, who was in the military and was like pretty solid and basically had access access to getting to that specific place. So they finally get there. And oh, you're skipping parts, man. Well, I don't want to say the whole movie. It's a full spoiler review. Why not? Josh hasn't seen it. Right? So, and this part is important, actually. That's what I'm saying. Because on the way to see the, the on the way to meet the uncle's friend, the car breaks down that the uncle gave them. Or whatever. And the guy, they go to a mechanic. And basically, all the money the uncle gives them, they got to spend on fixing the carburetor and water, whatever. whatever. Oh, yes. Very important part, right? Right. Yeah. So... The, the guy, he knows who they are. Everybody knows who the fuck they are. They're trying to hide, but everybody knows who they are at this point because it's all over social media, all over the world. They killed a cop. So uh, the guy is like, he's taking a long time to fix the car. So they don't, they say hurry up. He's like, you know, go somewhere. They're like, I'm not going to leave you with my car. He said, what if I give you some insurance? And they're like, I want to watch it like that. So he says, how about, how about you go with my son? So you got my son, you know, I'm going to fix your car. Sounds like 12, 13 years old. Right. So the son goes with them, 
and they go to walk and sit by a lake or whatever. But as he's talking to them, he loves them. He's inspired. They're his, they're his actual superheroes, right? And he says a line in the movie that comes to fruition later on that, you know, what if y'all die? And they're like, well, I want to die. But it's, what if y'all did? After what y'all did, y'all be immortalized, basically, because y'all killed the cop and stuff like that. So he says that, you know, there's a rally happening tomorrow somewhere for y'all or whatever like that. And, you know, we, we all behind y'all. They get the car to keep it moving, as he said. They get to the, the friend's house, the white guy's house. Go ahead, you can pick up from there. Right, so they get to the white guy's house. Um, he's basically really helpful in the sense of, listen, um, I can I know a friend who has, what the, did he position the plane idea? Yes. Yeah, he said he knew a friend in Florida, but you got to go to Florida, um, that could help you. And the wife... The military wife was basically like, oh, is basically against all this. Like, I don't know why you're helping them. There's a ransom, uh, 250 each, and Queen's here. What? 250,000 each. And Queen's like, that's not even, like, enough. Like, that's not enough for our lives. And the, the wife says a smart comment, like, oh, they can pay off our mortgage, though. And the husband's basically like, shut up. Like, these are friends. We're going to help them. And he basically breaks down what, what they need to do. And then what happens is he starts seeing lights. Because, neighbor. Because the SWAT team. You caught that, right? Huh? The neighbor told them. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Before they got there to the the, the, uh, the house, there's a neighbor across the street, you know, neighborhood watch, saw the car and saw two black people, male and female, walk in the house. So she calls the police. And basically, as they're at the dinner or whatever, he notices there's flashlights going in there with his military mask. He's like, listen, you guys need to go upstairs now. And basically he tells him, like, listen, my house is like, there's a lot of hidden places. Go upstairs in my room, go under the bed, and stay there until it's, until it's clear. So the SWAT team, they come. They're asking the husband, like, where, where, where are they? Where are they? They're, like, basically trying to get them to figure out where Queen Slim is. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they sit outside, and, and they're talking to the husband, like, where are they? He's like, listen, no one came there. And like, what about this car? This is a pretty fancy car. He's like, well, there's a lot of people who drive through this neighborhood with cars, all random cars all day. And then he's like, he goes to the wife. He's like, well, you look smarter than your husband. What happened? And you think at that moment, because you know the wife is like, I don't even want nothing to do with these people. You think she's gonna cave in? Like, oh, they're upstairs. No, what she does is doesn't say nothing. And basically, what happens after that? They're hiding, they're hiding under the bed, and the police basically block off the whole neighborhood. And then um, they uh, they decide, Queen decides, look, I'm tired of I'm laying under the bed. It was under the bed, under the floorboard. Yeah, I figured that. Right. So yeah. so they, um, I'm tired. I'm going out. Slim is, of course, scared. She's like, whatever. So so they they went to the hospital, right, for her or no? No. So, they so just, when they went to the uncle's house... Um, he patched the uncles, her. The uncles, like, Holes. <laughs> like tied, her, tied her leg up and like cleaned her off. It was a flesh wound anyway. It didn't, right. it didn't go in. So, um, and literally his uncle has like several holes who live with him. So, um, see, um, when I, so, so they leave the, uh, under the floorboards. They jump out a second floor window. Uh, she tells him, like the movies, when you hit the ground, roll. Well, she didn't roll, so she like dislocated her shoulder. He rolled, and she was fine, <laughs> whatever. So he had to pop her shoulder back in. They they find an empty garage next door to the, their, their house, and they they find a station wagon sitting there. Uh, Slim knows how to hotwire an old station wagon, but in the neighborhood now they got all the cops around there. But like he said, yeah. So where are you going to drive out of? There's a black cop who's there, and he hears when she falls. Oh, when she because his shoulder. And so, the white cop is like. He's like, well, I hear something. He's like, oh, this, that's just, this is, that's nothing. And, was, and he was like, no, I definitely heard something. And the black cop, and the white cop's like, well, if you heard something, go back and check then. He was like, all right. So he goes in the back, and Queen and Slim are in the garage of the military family or whatever, and they had like a, a Mercedes Benz in there. So um, Slim's character actually knew how to hotwire a car or someone who stole his, his dad's car in the past. Um, so basically, he figures out a hotwire, and the minute they, they hotwire the car, the black officer finds them, opens the garage, and they just look at each other like, oh, we're caught. But then the black officer is like, thinks about it, and it's like, let's go. 
and lets him go, and then they the black officer comes back out, and the officer, the white officer's like, so what did you see? He was like, you were right. It was just some deer. And yeah, he leads them out, so they get the neighborhood, and they're still traveling to uh, uh, Florida, Florida to get the plane. Some of these parts made me upset. As they're traveling, um, she wants to stop and look at a horse because she liked horses growing up. As they're trying to get away, and then she's looking at horses, and then he comes out with her, and he's like, I don't rode a horse. She's like, you just ride a horse. So they get on the horse, and he's like trying to ride the horse while they're trying to get away from the cops and all that stuff like There's that. There's plenty of horses in Cuba. Right. It's stuff like that. Then at some point, he gets tired of driving, or he heard music from the highway. This is when they go to the club, right? Right. And they go to this, like, club, right, club lounge, and he's just like, well, let, 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 dance with me a little bit. They go in here and have, like, a whole dance session. And it's like, this is my second date, right? And... But the place they go to is a black-owned bar. They know who they are, too. Everybody knows who the fuck they are. Like yeah. I said. And basically, Queen's like, I don't think this is safe. And then, like, Slim notices, like, the people know who they are. And they're fine with them being here because they see them as, once again, as a hero of fighting against the oppression or whatever. And um, Queen's like, um, I think you owe me that drink right now. And, and Slim's like, okay. He's like, give me a shot of bourbon. And... And she's like, she has a, a, a scene where she's like, the expensive kind of. So Slim gets the drink or whatever, gets one shot, and then the host or the bartender is like, where's your drink? He's like, well, I don't. Slim, Slim stands and like, I don't drink. And she's like, well, after, after what, what you've been through, you need a drink. So she gives him a drink, and Slim is about to pay, and she's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to pay. Like, what, you, what you've done is enough. It's on the house. So they get together, they start, they start surviving or whatever, and they take the shot. And Queen's like, oh, I thought you didn't drink. He's like, well, they both take the drink or whatever, and they're dancing, and Slim's trying to, like, fill on her or whatever, and she's like, no, no, no. But at that moment, you can tell their connection is growing. And uh, Queen is basically, little by little, breaking down her walls and getting closer to Slim. And I think... As that moment's going, as that goes on, they finally leave and they're still driving. There's like a part where Queen's like, like they're talking about their past and like why, why, why does Queen act like this particular way? And then Queen basically, there's a line where Queen basically says it's nothing personal. I just prefer to be alone because she has this standoffish vibe to her and they're based and she basically explains like she was in the detail of what happened to her mother. And how she chose to be with her dad or something. Or she felt like she chose against them. Mm-hmm, something like that. Something like that. And basically, as they're going in, they park, right? Oh, they parked at a, uh, her mother's gravesite. Oh, yeah. They're driving. And she, she sees, because they're in Georgia or whatever. Right. So she actually make a detour. So they make another detour to go to the gravesite. And, you know, she basically she takes them to the, mother, the mother's gravesite. They talk or whatever. And then they park up. And as this is happening, the protest that the, that boy was talking about is going on. And basically, there's like split scenes where they're talking in the car. They're having sex. Well, yes. Yeah. They're, they're, I'm sorry, what? So, basically. <laughs> they start having sex in the car parked at the gravesite. Um, I, I guess because, whatever, adrenaline yeah, feelings. Basically, through dialogue, they're talking. Um, she's breaking down her barriers that she's comfortable with him and basically you know when you get you get close to somebody you feel it's like the perfect moment that perfect vibe and basically as they were vibing that was the moment to do it so they they, they had this crazy sex scene um, very very passionate very passionate that was split with the protests. the protests nice where but there, this this scene i did not like right i, I thought it didn't, it didn't i'm gonna tell you, it didn't make any sense to me so they're they're at the they're showing they're showing them having sex and then they split into the next scene the other scene where there's the protest and then like people are like protesting or whatever and they have the the riot the swat team there or whatever and the little boys there and what were they saying Let's say they were saying justice for all this, right? And the little boy just felt so, he was entranced in the idea of like, you know what, this is my calling, we're fighting for justice. And he's like, oh, justice for all, justice for all. And he's going in. And then they start macing everybody and like throwing like tear gas and all that and people start running. 
and he's he starts running with them and then he's just like you know what i'm gonna have courage like queen and slim and i'm gonna fight fight back this is the part i did not like they had a black officer mm-hmm. come and basically talk to the kid real nice real real nice not disrespectful pulls his mask up to show him like yo i'm back like, listen i understand your fight but you should go you are going to die like if you're if you stay and the, the kid's like no and he's like listen please just go man like you, you don't need to be here this is not your fight go fight another do it fight another day or another way yeah pulls the gun out pulls the gun out and aims it in the, in the office like, listen hey whoa, relax relax you don't need to do this you have your own like stop relax and the kid out of panic shoots the cop in the neck Kills him. Kills him. Mind yeah. you, that what he's saying, like the whole gun is split with sex. So it's sex, shoot, sex. It's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy scene or whatever. Right. So it, first of all, I took away from the sex scene, which was a great sex scene. Right. It was a real, real passion. And I, I think it falls into the idea or the element where women say they have to feel a connection or like when you're intimate with somebody and where it makes sense. After all the stuff that they've been through, that I got. I it, got the it, part. It, it, it made sense, but that split scene where they had the kid and then he gets he shoots the black well, officer and they end up killing the kid. But then it makes sense because that's clearly what Queen is connected to is death. I mean that, but when I listen to Lena, she talks about why they had in the movie and she was saying because I told you the other day, you gotta be careful other things we do because you never know who it can influence. And now, you know, since they killed the cop, now the kid wanted to kill cops. But for me, you're preaching two different messages because one, you, one you're trying to preach they killed him in self-defense and the cop was totally wrong. But then you're preaching, watch out how we do cops because kids want to do cops that way. So it's like, it's a mixed message, you know, in that bag. Um, if it was just self-defense, then why walk up and just shoot somebody? Like, like why would a kid walk up and shoot a cop? It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, and then moving forward, because I don't want to keep it going all night, but um, after the sex, they killed, they, they killed the cop. Um, they find out about it through someone, I forget who, but, but nevertheless, um, they were upset about that. Um, they, um, keep going and they do make it to Florida after some more stops for no reason. And they make it to Florida and they make it. And the guy who the military guy knew, he, he comes up on him. Um, come on. Uh, I don't even think that was even him. Huh? I don't think that was him. I but think he just said it was him. It could be. I, who knows? Because this guy is basically falls him in the car, and this guy with like a, a shotgun, whatever, revs it, and like taps on the window, and they wake up, and he's like, "Oh, who are you?" He's like, "Listen, I'm the I'm the person that's here to help you." And basically, how do we know that? He's like, "Listen, it's either you're gonna come with me, or you're gonna let these people kill you. Choice is yours." So they look at each other and they're like, "Okay, this must be him." Um, they go to they go to his trailer. And basically, he pretends he's calling that the military friend or the person with the airplane, and say, "Listen, um, I got them here. Um, they're they're trying to go." And basically, he hangs his eye bet. And basically, um, he's saying like, "All right, they're gonna come tomorrow." And Queen's like, "No, we need to leave today." He's like, "Damn, awesome! Like these motherfuckers, or whatever." So he's like, "All right, let me call him again. Chill, chill, hold on." So he calls. He's like, "All right, we gotta go in an hour." And they're like, okay, great. And he's like, well, it's going to take us an hour to get there, so let's go. So they go in the car. Dude's driving. And, you know, typical Florida, like, like the vision the vision of what the guy looks like, you know, scruffy beard, gold fronts. I remember smoking, two chains a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, smoking marijuana, uh, driving a Cadillac, old school Cadillac. And basically, as they're driving, there's a twist to this. But as they're driving, um, the guy's like, basically, this is y'all some heroes. Like, everybody's looking up to y'all. Like, what y'all doing? I definitely, I, I feel it. Fight the power or whatever. And as they're smoking, he's smoking. He's like, y'all, you want to hit this? And they're like, nah, I don't, I don't smoke. And, like, and Queen's like, nah, I'm good. He's like, after what y'all been through, I think y'all need this. So Queen and Sin look at each other, and they're like, all right, fuck it, why not? So they take a hit, and he's like, ah, that's right. That's what I'm talking about, my nigga. Like, yeah. So they get to the airport. And they see the plane. He's like, this is, a, this is the plane. That's the plane y'all going to get on. So you're thinking like, oh, okay, good. They're going to go to Cuba. As he pulls off, remember there was the $250,000 ransom? The black dude 
end up selling them out, calling the police, the tip line, so he can get the money, and basically it was a setup. So the plane's there, but then all these cops come, come out the car, and like, listen, you get, you, you need, you guys need to come out now, that the day's up, and basically a trigger happy cop, yeah. a chick, who was there with the SWAT team, and as they both got their hands up, they're telling them get down, get down, get down, and. and they're not moving because they're talking to each other to hold the hands mm-hmm. or whatever like that. Yeah. But they haven't done anything. They got their hands up. One trigger-happy chick, she pulls the trigger and shoots Queen and kills her. She right. dies instantly. Kills her in the chest. Like that. He, and I think with, with at that as that happened, they're holding hands. There's a little dialogue. And basically, Queen, basically, they're speaking to each other. Like, listen, Queen, like, says something in the lines. Like, you gave me something to believe in until Jordan Riot. And then, like... They were they were talking about like what is it that you want or whatever, and I, I can't remember what Slim Slim said, but Queen was like, "Listen, I'm gonna be there. For, I'm gonna be. I hope I'm the reason to give you life or whatever." And as she says that, the trigger happy cop, the girl cop, shoots Queen, and then Slim sees this, and he's just like, "Why? Like, why would you do this? We didn't do anything." And at this moment. Slim picks up Queen, carries her, and they're telling her, they're telling him like, "Stop! If you make one more step, we're going, we have the right to shoot." And Slim is just walking, tears throwing his eyes, walking, and next thing you know, they end up just shooting him, and they fall to the ground. Because he never stopped walking. Because he never stopped walking. And they said, "Stop! Get down! Get down!" So, um, and that's pretty much how the movie. Oh, okay. Then they have the big funeral for them, and they are immortalized. They create shrines. They got T-shirts. Get everything. Immortalized Queen and Slim. The one picture they took together or whatever like that. So, for me, what he said, part of what he said was great. The visuals were great. The, the, the score, which you missed, was also great. The music in the movie is... Oh, my gosh. Is, Devontae is, Haynes? The one of the composers. I, I didn't really like the Meg Stein stuff they did, and I, I thought that was kind of out of place. But the Devontae Haynes, I'm not sure where he's from. I'm, 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 I think he's from New Orleans, but the music of... Of his, of what he composed with the piano, and um, the background, it, it just fit every scene perfectly. It was really really yeah. great. And and also, it was and good also to see that he's black. And they played like the old school musical in the yeah. time. Martin they had um, the guy uh, from the from New Orleans, the guitarist. Yeah, they they put him in the movie. Yeah, um, BB King. No, no, I don't remember his name. But he's very very popular down there. But score was good. Cinematography was great. Um, and, um, but for me, that's where it, like, it ends, actually, because, you know, I, I just felt like as I, at first I walked out, with okay, but the more I start thinking about it, the more I start, you know, watching and thinking about stuff or like that, some of those scenes, like I said, like, I don't know why they had the kid kill the cop. That was just ridiculous for me. It was unnecessary. The ending, I told you, I'm okay with the ending. Were you surprised or were you not surprised? I no. saw it coming. No, I wasn't surprised. Okay, I saw it coming. The backlash. Especially with the, the setup, and then you see they show the... They rear back the scene where the the dude that was the black girls drove him was counting the money. So, and, no, I mean, I I knew from the time he got on the phone, so I got a plan for y'all. Like, like, oh yeah, something was fishy about that because yeah. it was like so, how quick that was gonna happen, and right. then like it just didn't something didn't seem right. It, it was just too easy. So the backlash, which I was telling Josh about the other day, mm-hmm. is that in my theater people walked out right at the end, mm-hmm. and other theaters I heard around the nation people walked out mm-hmm. right black people because. They were looking for a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And when I read some of the reviews, I'm tired of black death on screen. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of movies ending like this. Tired of cops killing black people, this and that. Mm-hmm. But I thought, like I told Josh, if you kill a cop, it's unlikely you're going to be able to get to Cuba. Right? Unless you're also white. Unless you're also white, yes. But, um, but in that regard, I thought it was a realistic ending. And I think what people are looking for is unrealistic. And it's based off movies of uh, uh, yesteryear, like uh, like I was saying, like um, Set It Off or some other movies where uh, a black person committed a crime mm-hmm. and they got off, where it really is it's unlikely, especially if you kill a cop. So I thought the, the ending was realistic, but again, people literally walked the fuck out, yo. Like, yo, I can't believe it. And their thought process is that it's not a, it's not a true story. Mm-hmm. You can write whatever you want. Why would you not write a happy ending? Right? That's what they they, 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 they expected. Um, in that regard. The other 
uh, a part to like uh, uh, we were talking about the whole kid killing a cop part and then some of the stupid stuff like you know stopping for no reason um, to ride horses ride horses not know how much gas you got uh, twice twice losing the money twice losing the money twice just a lot of stuff like that really bothered me as I'm watching this movie now I will say like Lena said nobody to blame but black people in this movie because you know we get to this imaginary day <laughs> but the black writer the black director black cinematographer there's a black cast and she said I had a hundred percent final cut Final edit. Nobody was touching my movie, she said. Period. Nobody white. She also said that she had a black um, a uh, black test screening. Where all she said, if we do a test screening, it gotta be an all black audience. So this was like blackest, blackest movie probably made in, in years. Where if you have a problem with the movie, your problem was somebody black and whatnot. And that's you know, um uh doesn't happen often. And then I was telling Josh the other problem I'm noticing is that people, um, and it's not just in this movie, but people are upset because Queen and Slim are both British. They're both from London, right? Yeah, there's a, a large black at the Oh, we're done? Yes, I'm not done. That makes sense. <laughs> we started early. Just a haircut over here. But. What I wanted to say was, um, in the beginning of the movie, you know, the uh, the dating scene? Yeah. I mean, the date scene, right? Yeah. And there's some, like, black woman who uh, mentioned that, oh, I get the date scene, but it made it look like the stereotypical angry black woman. Angry, like, she's a, like they made her look like a bitch. Yeah. And they basically put on to the stigma like all black women are angry. angry yeah. But I looked at it as if it's, I had some I had a similar moment where I dated a woman. She was I mean she was black and white, but she identified being black right. from Houston. Right. <laughs> AKA and she had a rough past and she had a bad breakup in the past and whatever. Which which basically gave her this on guard like I'm not gonna probably see you after this. I'm not gonna talk to you. I'm gonna be just be mean. Right. Which basically what Queen, what Queen was doing. And I liked that she showed that because that's a real thing. Especially with what she dealt with. Yeah, it's real. It's but, real. But would you be trying to get a second? I know Josh was trying to get a second date. Uh-huh. Neither would I. But would you be trying to get a second date with her? I did. The okay. chick I showed you, the, the, the light skinned yeah. chick I showed you, that's yeah. what happened on our first date. Okay. She um she was basically playing hard to get. She was being she was giving me like No. Basically, she was playing hard to get, giving me the run around, like, oh, I don't want, to, I don't want to be here. Why you chose this place? Blah blah blah. But as me, I, I'm persistent in what I want. So, as I'm talking to her, I end up finding out, you know, she had bad experiences in the past. She never really things weren't really going in her in her favor. So she was basically being rude on purpose, and she knew that. And then she broke, like she she cried. Like, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this, but after all the all that I've been through, um, I, I'm I'm sorry for acting, presenting this particular side. I'm really sweet. But... I get it. I get. It. I'm just not. I, I'm, I'm again. Me and Josh might be the same on this. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm just not sticking around to break your walls down. Like, I just can't. I, I, I I'm, I'm sorry. Like, if you're gonna be a, uh, um, just that much attitude like Queen had on the first date, mm-hmm. and then you then you literally tell me. Only reason why you swipe right is because you had a bad day at work after leaving me on red for three weeks. That was a real moment, though. It's real. It's a real moment, I, but I and people and one black woman did not like that because it felt like it put them in the stereotype of where like okay now people are gonna think like oh black women have like a this this stigma about them of just being angry all the time. Right. So I didn't guy, see it that way. One guy I read the review. Uh-huh. Uh, watch he was like, yeah, she, she, she really only wanted a free meal. Like, she didn't really care about who it was with. Yeah. And then the comment, you know, why you chose this place? You must not have no money. Yeah. <laughs> that right there would have been like it for, for him. I know. Thanks, man. Um, so 
we kind of want to wrap this up. Still New You Radio. Uh, we're finna talk about Queen and Slim. But just one aspect we want to finish up on is the uh, – and I talked – me and Josh talked about this the other day, but how do you think about that with the black um, British actors portraying roles of black American characters, John? I think that's a – it's kind of hard to explain because I feel like this is like an ongoing issue it when is. it comes to African Americans, uh, or not even Africa. This is black people in the United States because African Americans is just a term that they created in the '60s. Um, but I think it's like an ongoing issue because it's like we have plenty of talent here. Why are you going overseas to get British Nigerian actors? to play our roles. And I think a lot of people are getting, you know, hurt and offended because it's like they didn't have the same oppression when it came to slavery in comparison to what we had to deal with in the United States. And I, and like like Josh, as you mentioned, what, what they had to experience during the slave times wasn't as wasn't as in the comparison to what actually happened in the United States based because a lot of that was based off of what the social economic status of how much money you had. And I think people are looking at it as they don't have no, they don't have a right to play our roles because we have plenty of people who experience far worse than what they have done. Yeah. I don't know if it's as far back as slavery, maybe civil rights. I don't know, but I think it's more about just today, like even like black and blue, right? The the black girl cop, from, Naomi Harris, huh? Naomi Harris, Naomi Harris, Money Penny, Money Penny, the 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 cop who's a black girl who grew up in um whatever Englewood or whatever it was, like you know bad bad parts of L.A., right? And she played a cop who was still familiar with the town and dirty cop. We know how the movie went, but. Once again, there's a bunch of black actors, black women actors, who grew up in those same parts of L.A. So it does come to make you think, like, why can't they get one of them to play that role who's even more familiar with what goes on with dirty cops, you know, in that part of L.A.? So it does make you think like that. However, it is called acting. So at the same time, there's a talent that goes with that, too. So for you to be able to play those roles and sell it so well, you know, is also good. So I don't, I mean, I don't know if I feel a type of way about it, but I can see why if I'm a black actor in the United States, why I would feel some type of way about it. Well, just to play devil's advocate, it was both, was it, uh, in Black Panther? Yeah. So, so T'Challa. is not African. African-American. Right. And Michael B. Jordan. Exactly. Right. And well, he's not black African, but yes, yeah, duh. But they're supposed to be of Wakandan heritage, yeah. right? So, you know. Yeah. So that's, you know, in terms of that. However. True. Angela it, Bassett, I thought. No. Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker. I thought their actions were horrible. I don't say black people. I thought they were fantastic. Anyway. I'll get to that later on. But, but. I mean, how many African people you talk to, Mike? A lot. Enough to where I thought. Man, that, get out of here. I thought that Forrest Whitaker's accent was horrible. But, again, as devil's advocate, we took a role with the African actor. And at the same time. All right, so we, you and I talked about this in the barbershop. Yeah. So the same way that even with white actors and actresses, there's more British talent that are getting the bigger roles because the talent level is up there because the British school of thought in terms of theater is more robust than American. Right. That's just plain facts, especially in Hollywood. All the way back to Shakespeare, that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that trend also in the black community, even though it's the black British community, is still the black community. I agree. I don't know. I I don't know. I just this is one of the things where I don't have an answer for it. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Well, here's the thing: if all the all the black athletes, excuse me, all the let's say all the NBA players who are black and African American, right? So it's the same. It's the same concept. So similar to how in the British, let's say, school of thought and acting you have more British people who are better. Same way that we have more American, black American, African-American people who are better at basketball right. than, let's say, other parts of the world. It's just how it is. Right. Yeah. 
that that makes sense. It's just that it's different because they're coming over, like he said, taking roles that could have went to a black American actor mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I think that's where the you know, like even if they played a part, like I said, that's why I don't I don't count John Boyega, right? Because Star Wars could have been anybody, but we're talking about um, a black and white dude from Cleveland. I mean, a black a black and black and black girl black guy from Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. you know, just at, at a diner. Middle America, yeah. Yeah, Middle America, you know, something like that. Like, that could have went to a black American person and whatnot. So, I just, I, I can see where they're frustrated at. However, the acting is good, so I don't feel like, you know, I, it's, it's, it's just it's just one of those catch-22s for me. Um, I don't have a problem with me, personally, I guess. Like I say, go all the way back to Idris, you know, as Trigger Bell. Right, he probably started it honestly with the black British actors. I'm saying, playing these type of roles um, overall, and he probably thought there's probably a talent pool over there. Let's keep trying that, and we don't know the ins and outs of it either. Maybe they asked for less in their contracts. We we don't know all of that either. So they're definitely asking for more. Yeah, could, could be that too. Um, and they've all already done more too. And speaking of that, um, moving on from Queen and Slim. Speaking of a white British actor playing a white American role, I also saw Knives Out this week with um, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig, who and Chris I, Evans, right? And Chris Evans and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Don Johnson. It's a very great ensemble cast. But I bring that up, Jamie Lee Curtis. She's still acting. She is still acting. Sheesh. And I bring that up because when I saw the trailer for the movie. Um, they kind of just talk about how the the dad died. It's like a whodunit type of case, directed by Ryan Johnson, actually. Um, but when I watch it, Daniel Craig plays like a southern gentleman, right? Almost like a, a Kentucky Fried Colonel type of type of accent, <laughs> Eesh, right? Okay. And, but he does. But again, they could have got some southern dude to play the role, right? We know that's not how Daniel Craig sounds, but. They got a white guy, so and you don't see a white actor saying, "Why do you get a southern guy to play the role?" So sometimes, even though they can be right, it seems like we do more complaining about it for some reason. Oh, that's completely factual. Yeah. So, and as far as the movie, it's, it's in my top three movies of the year. It's not as, as an amazing movie and whatnot. Um, yeah. Well, with your your top 10 comic book list. I don't know if we could trust that judgment. Which was accurate and probably the best list out. But Knives Out is, that's, Ryan Johnson, that's his lane right there. Honestly. Like. Yeah, he should stay far, far away from Star Wars. <laughs> I, I agree. But this is where he's at. This this had twists. It's just not spoiler at all. It had twists. It had a great plot, the great ensemble cast. Knives Out is good. So, that ends our pop culture and ends our new you podcast for this evening. Um, we apologize for uh, uh, certain things throughout this podcast with the um, with the uh, the mics, but we enjoy you. Please uh, keep listening, and we'll have more uh, coming for you um, very soon. Have a good one. Good night. Peace. Peace.